If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahente. How many teams really need to change the starting quarterback position? That list is probably four or five teams. They are. Washington, Chicago. Let's throw Carolina in there, even though they have a starter. Patriots is four. Who else? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Weekday mornings at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio or streaming live on the ESPN app. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jaron Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. For sure. I mean, personalities are a little bit different, but as far as um, just kind of the way they do things, there's a certain expectation that everyone knows. It's, it's really clear, and I think the best coaches do that. You know, you, you know what they expect um, and you know what you're expected to do when you come to work. Uh, and Coach Myers great at laying the groundwork and um, kind of laying it out for us and, and just telling us what he expects from us and everyone's on the same page. And I think that's the biggest thing for a leader in general, but especially a coach, is just communication. Um, and we all know what's expected of us, so there's no excuse not to get our job done. And I think he's he's great at that, but he also knows how to take care of us and um, he listens to his players. I can already see that. It's an interesting observation uh, from what he went through and the success that he had both in high school and also college with Dabo Swinney and kind of likening him to Urban Meyer. That was the question, by the way, last night on NFL's Total Access NFL Network. And uh, that was the response from Trevor Lawrence. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane. We are here at the University of North Florida. Ospreys playing good ball lately. Two to nothing lead on the strength of an Alex Keckler home run in the first inning. It's their only hit, but it was a big one. And now we go to the top of the fourth over Kennesaw State. JU with a big win earlier in the day over Liberty. Double elimination tournament, but the Dolphins off to a good start. And we could see a Dolphins-Ospreys matchup tomorrow afternoon in a winner's bracket game. That would be pretty cool. The title game uh, will be played on Saturday. Let's talk a little more baseball. Uh, we were talking about that play, right? Yeah. Uh, the um, Pirates and Cubs. And if you haven't seen it, I retweeted it. It's almost one you have to watch. It would be very hard to describe. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's, but I will essentially, say, essentially, Baez gets in a pickle trying to run from first base to back to home plate. Very good. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, that's the part that you have to know. Now, eventually, the guy on third, the runner on third, scores on the play, mm-hmm. on a close play at the plate, and then Baez not only ends up safe at first, but ends up safe at second. Yeah. So, if there's ever such a thing as a Little League double, we witnessed it. Thank you to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, of course, man. And that's why the Pittsburgh Pirates. All right, that's why you've been in last place in the division, it seems like, for the past decade, for a predominantly a big part of my childhood, even. So, yeah, that's why the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, we're going to bring the umpire in. We're going to welcome in Fran Delaney to the show. Uh, he's one of the umpires in the area, Jacksonville Umpires Association. Uh, we go back and forth on social media quite a bit, and uh, he's got something else exciting coming up, too, that he's going to share with us. But before we do that, this is perfect timing, Fran. Hope you're doing well. I'm, I know you're glad to be out there. Last we talked to you, at least from a media perspective, we are doing a story on all the umpires missing baseball because of the pandemic, missing softball yeah. because of the pandemic. Well, I can tell you this, you've been a busy man this year that's true we haven't missed anything this year actually we've been over we've been swamped with games and meeting umpires and just it, it's been crazy out there luckily yeah. the weather's been great yeah, and no a lot of great local games so 
Weather has been good. Um, we can. I always keep Fran in mind when I go to yell at umpires <laughs> locally at the kids' games. I, I try to remember. Wait a minute, Fran might it might get back to Fran. He might say something. Um, no, nah, hey. it's, it's a rite of passage. Yell at <laughs> an umpire. Uh, I was actually talking to some folks at a softball tournament this weekend, and, and they do so many games. And like you've said to us in the past when we've done a story on it, man, the umpires are needed. So if you like ball, baseball, softball, and really you could go do this in any sport. Um, there's so much youth activity going on that friend umpires, officials in every sport are wanted and needed right now, right? Yeah, it's, there's a shortage across the country. Uh, every sport needs them. Yeah, so uh, if you're interested in that, you can make a few bucks, have some fun, stay connected uh, with the game. All right, so I, I gave you a little bit of a homework assignment. Have you seen the play from Javi <laughs> Baez, the Cubs, and the Pirates? Uh, what a wacky play. I mean, you can watch baseball for 100 years and you see something different. I did. I saw. I watched it. I hadn't seen it until you mentioned something, and I looked it up, and I was like, I was watching it thinking to myself, okay, this is something I've never seen before. Um, you know, and it, it was it was bizarre. Um, completely legal, but bizarre. Yeah, and that was the question. I'm not going to lie to you. I told Austin this. Uh, I shared it, or I didn't even share it with my kids. Uh, Ty texted me. He's like, I thought you couldn't run backwards from first base. And then uh, about 10 minutes ago, which is like an hour after Ty texted mm-hmm. me, Kaylee just said, is that legal to run backwards from first base? These kids, they must be on the same page, but they obviously don't know the rules of the game. Well, here's the ironic part. Uh, in fast-pitch softball, it's illegal. You have oh. to go directly to the base. And if you stop, you're automatically out. Now, that's, you know, the high school federation rules. Uh, but in, in baseball, you don't have to. You can stop and be fine and make them come tag you. Really? Uh, and you can back up. I mean, there's no particular reason not to be, you know, that you can't do it. The stupid, the stupid part of the play was not just touching first base and getting the out with two outs and then no run scores. Yes. That's correct. <laughs> yes. That's the problem. And clarify this for me, okay? Say yeah. he decided to – so Javi Baez gets himself in a pickle, essentially, between home mm-hmm. and first. And like you just said, there were two outs. So go tag first base. But just to clarify, I think I know this, but I want to make sure. Sometimes I second-guess myself. If they're in that pickle and he eventually goes and tags first base and the run scores prior – the run still doesn't count, right? Because he tagged yeah, first base. Yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah, oh, okay. doesn't count. Yeah. Well, it's, the, a, it's a it's not a timing play. It's a it, that's a force play, so it wouldn't be a timing play. Okay, and the reason I thought of that too the other day, I don't know if you were watching bowls down the state semifinals, that a young man get hurt on his swing, and I was wondering if the runner had scored prior to him getting thrown out at first base because he couldn't make it to first base, I was like, hey, would that run score hit mm. the outfield? No, it would not, right? It wouldn't have counted. No, no, it would not because it's a force play. Wow, see that? Um, Why don't we so, just do rules of the game like once a week? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure someone's out there because the rules are so difficult. Someone's out there looking up the different federations saying, well, not in this one and in this one and in that one. There's, there's so many different federations that have different rules. It's crazy. So, well, that's my pet uh, peeve. Just trying to keep up. That's yeah. my pet peeve, Fran. Uh, you don't see it as much in baseball, but football we have this. And I think even now that I've kind of got into the softball stuff with, with Kaylee, and she's a pitcher, so they'll go to one tournament where they have one set of rules about being on the mound on the rubber and then another one. I'm like, why can't we just do all this the same way? Why? Why? What are we doing here? <laughs> it would make yeah, sense. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir on that one. You're preaching to the choir on that one because – you know, we got to figure out well, what do we, what ball are we working? What, what's the rules here? And then, a lot of times it's weird because it's usually done in in the, at the high school level. It's done different than everywhere, else, which makes no sense, right? It should be done. I mean, you got it in football, you got it in baseball with the hybrid. You know, in baseball, you got the what foot can lift up and not lift up as a pitcher in softball. 
in football, you got the one foot out, two foot, two, one foot in, two feet in, you know, and it switches back and forth. So it's just, it's just crazy. They should just, uh, you know, kind of do a, a mandatory set of rules and, and leave them the way they are for everybody. I, I agree, especially feed off the professional levels because that's what most people are watching anyway. Uh, one more rule question for you. Speaking of different ones, third to first, the old third to first rule, uh, mm-hmm. not a, not legal anymore in professional baseball, in Major League Baseball. Where is it in college? And I think you can do it in high school, but where is it in college? Illegal in college. So can't it's illegal in college. Yeah, but you only where it's legal right? in federation. In high school federation is the only where it's legal. Okay. Unless you're unless you're playing some you know random tournament where they allow it, I mean you might find that kind of a, a tournament rule. But yeah. this has become totally a selfish segment. I'm really just trying to find out some of the rules, make sure I know them. No man, hey, well, I, I, if I, you I, have I money, get your money's worth. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, I get my I get your text messages all the time, and then I'm trying to figure out situations for you. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, Fran Delaney with us, uh, Jacksonville Empire Association. Well, you got something else cool going on, man. Uh, you guys are starting something up, Collegiate Baseball League. What, what's the idea of this? Uh, almost asked the question, why don't we already have one nearby? But uh, give us a little bit of insight on what you guys are trying to do and, and when you're launching it. So, uh, yeah, it was a, um, my partner and I, Chris Lane, who is, um, you know, Chris has got many years in baseball, was a, a pitcher in minor league and a, a manager, a coach in minor league, and was a, a scout for many years uh, around town. And he was down in uh, South Florida watching his son pitch, going down there every, you know, weekend to see his son play. And he was driving back last year, and he goes, he called me, he said, Fran, what? Why don't we have one of these in Jacksonville? I was like, I don't know. He said, Well, let's start one. I said, All right, let's go. <laughs> that, so that's we it. decided to, uh, you know, we did some we did some research, and there's some leagues in Florida, and, and there's so much baseball and so many colleges that have baseball. Uh, and we thought Jacksonville, being, you know, what a great baseball town it is, as you know, and, and you know, it's kind of underrated, I believe, with baseball. Um, but they're like, Why don't we start this league and give, you know, kids an opportunity to come, you know, see Jacksonville, uh, you know, get some ball in. And, you know, just, you know, do a summer league, a wood bat summer league for these kids. We have everyone from uh, junior college up to some Division One players. Uh, it gives the, the kid, local kids places to stay and play so their parents can watch them in the summer play ball and not have to go, you know, to down to Orlando where there's a league or, or South Florida or even up to the, you know, Carolinas and, you know, even Cape Cod, you know, the Cape Cod League and different areas like that and, and, and in Midwest. So uh, it's just something we thought Jacksonville needed and, and you know, being a, you know, Chris being a big baseball guy and me being involved in baseball around here, we, we thought, well, let's go. Let's see what we can come up with. And we didn't do a whole lot of advertising. We did everything through Twitter and contacts and uh, a little bit of Facebook, I think. And, and, and we wound up with, uh, you know, a pretty good outpouring of interest, which was, uh, which was exciting and nervous all at the same time. They called our bluff. <laughs> yeah, so where are you going to play, and when are you getting going? We're getting going this weekend. Today the boys are checking in. Uh, we're doing meetings to check in with the boys uh, coming in from out of town and locally just to kind of go over everything, let them know what's going on. Uh, they got practice, like one practice tomorrow with to get to know their coaches. And then Saturday we kick off with a double header. We are, uh, we looked around town to get some fields and some fields had some issues with, you know, they, a lot of baseball guys, a lot of coaches around town were great about getting us field. And then some things came up with, you know, they're making changes to the field and things like that. So we wound up, we're going to play at Atlantic Coast and JP Small downtown. So, uh, J.P. Small's got a history, and I think it's great for these kids to get down there and understand, the, you know, the park and what that history is about. And then uh, Atlanta Coach has been gracious with their field to allow us to play some games there because it's pretty central, and, and they got a really good facility. So uh, we're going to be out there playing most of our games there. And then uh, we also have a 
coming in from Pensacola a couple weekends to play. Uh, uh, North Florida Sox going to be coming in to play our team. So, you know, that should be exciting. And hey, we're looking forward to it. Uh, this town needed it, and hopefully next year we can grow some more teams. A couple quick questions before I let you go. Fran Delaney uh, with us, Collegiate Baseball League, starting up this weekend. Uh, go check it out uh, on Saturday with a doubleheader. And as this thing launches in Jacksonville, and again, there's so much talent in Jacksonville, I would think the players part is easy. But how about housing if you're coming from, I don't know, North Carolina and you want to come play in this league? Will you have a lot of those? Uh, will they stay in, in with folks? Uh, how's that work? Well, we, we're not doing host families this year with the, you know, the coach. We thought that was probably not a good thing to reach out and ask, and a lot of the other leagues aren't doing it. So uh, we have some deals with some local uh, hotels, uh, you know, kind of more like extended stay, bigger rooms where the, the kids will be sharing rooms. Some guys, some of the boys got, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, they got, uh, what was it, the, the Airbnbs to stay in. Yeah. Some of the kids are local, so they're staying local, and they brought some players with them, and they'll be staying with, the, you know, their friends from those teams. So they're staying all over. It worked out a good deal, and, you know, we're paying part of their 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 housing uh, to help them out and things like so it's uh it's it's pretty good we had a lot of people that are have uh, helped us out too from uh, the community uh, with being able to like allow to use some facilities that do different things like hitting and working out and those type of things so it's it's worked out really well yeah these things are expensive though I mean where do you, you make money off the gate fees or the concessions no, uh, I mean no, how, how do we, you make money we, well we have no gate fee I love you already for that. <laughs> yeah, well, we want everyone to come out and see the game, right? I mean, there's, and, and, we, and to be honest with you, really, I didn't want to deal with it. That was one more thing we had to do on game day. Uh, it's a small operation. So, uh, But what we wanted to do was, you know, the, the players had to pay a fee, and, and we budgeted it based on their fee. Uh, and, you know, we, we kind of, you know, did it the, the best we could. We're not in it to make any money. I mean, that's not the goal. The goal is to just... You know, if we break even at the end of every year and we're doing this and the kids have a good time and they come back and, and we increase the size of our league and put a, you know, put a spotlight on Jackson a little bit, that's, that's all we're looking to do. So, uh, again, it, it's, it's not about us making any money. Uh, it's not about those. All the money goes right back into the kids. And, you know, we're hoping that it's, you know, the balance is zero at the end and it, it's not a negative balance where money comes out of our pocket. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, umpires, you'll be able to find those. Uh, that shouldn't be a problem, yeah. uh, hopefully. Uh, the uh, the league is the Collegiate Baseball League. It, I, I think you have a website for it. Is it CollegiateBaseballLeague.com or is it something different? No, it's uh, CCBLJacks.com. C-C- so okay. Collegiate Baseball League, CCBLJacks.com. And then, of course, on Twitter, you know, you see us on Twitter and so, yeah, we just invite everybody to come on out. And if you got any questions, don't hesitate to contact one of us on the website. We'll be more than happy to help you out. All and right. uh, come on out. All right, friend. Uh, well, good luck. And if you ever have a play like Javi Baez's, you'll know how to call it now. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm sure I'll hear from you this summer. <laughs> you bet. Good luck with it. We'll be out there. Right, we appreciate care. it. That's Fran Delaney from Jacksonville Umpire Association but putting on this collegiate baseball league. That's cool. You know, a lot of guys do that. They go to all these wood bat leagues. Like some go like way like North Dakota, and yeah. um, you know, there's some in the Midwest. There, there, there are a lot of different places, but you kind of do ask. Okay, you got a ton of loose youth baseball. Got a bunch of fields around here. Got a lot of good players around here. Why not have one right around? I think there is one in Central Florida as well, um, in the Orlando area, but. Uh, Hey, more ball, uh, especially for some of the older kids. This is an opportunity, and for you, probably watch some really good players, and it's free. Uh, so, it, you know, you never know where you see a player that you might see down the road. Absolutely, uh, which man. is pretty cool, um, and that could be one of the places. So, go uh, check it out. If I get the website right, it's ccbljacks.com. You can also follow them on Twitter, Collegiate Baseball League. So, uh, good luck with that. What's the uh, 
what's the update here? Two nothing. Uh, one hit for the Ospreys, but it was a big one. So uh, two to nothing so far. It's a hitter's park. Yeah. Everybody says. Okay. Yeah, we had a two-one game earlier, and a two-nothing game right now. Uh, and of course, we still got plenty of ball to play. Three twenty-five down the line, Austin Lane. Yep. You're a baseball guy. Yep. Uh, Three sixty-five to the gaps and four hundred to center. Yep. How far could you hit a baseball? Uh, I mean, it, it depends what they have it behind those pine trees. Well, those pine, no, those not pine trees. What, are those, what kind of trees are those over there? Cedars? Whatever kind of trees those are. I don't know. I don't know what kind of trees those are behind there. Um, that's what that's what we're talking about, Brent. Little, little more than warning track power for yours truly. So you could hit bombs. No, nah, I mean, I, not anymore. Like, because I, I haven't swung a bat in man. When's the last time years? you played baseball? Uh, my freshman year of high school. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. And why did you stop? I think you told me still going. Oh yeah, uh, just uh, we, we didn't have the right coaches. Um, wasn't fun, and it, it was it was a mess. Like we, they didn't really take baseball seriously in our town. Now, ironically, baseball is one of our school's best sports. We just had a kid, uh, Connor Kirk. He actually he pitches for Coastal Carolina now. Oh really? I watched him pitch a couple days ago uh, on ESPN Plus. So yeah, but back then it just it wasn't really that big of a deal for baseball. But I had some great memories. Probably my, I told this story before. My best memory um, in in all of Sports, regardless of what time it was in my life, came from Little League Baseball when I hit the game-winning uh, home run to go to the, the state semifinals. So, and you—that's that's your memory. That 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 is the greatest sports memory that I will ever live. So, like 10, nothing 11, will, 12 years old. Ah, uh, man, I would have been that's wild. I, it was it was 1999, so I would have been, I guess, would have been 12. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yep. cool that that's yeah. like your memory. I mean, July played college football, made to the NFL. Yeah. You're an MMA fighter. Yeah, and uh, no, I mean, a really good radio co-host. Thank here. you, man. Thank and, you. And that's your moment. No, listen, like I, I could win a UFC championship. I could have won a Super Bowl. Nothing is gonna match hitting that home run to send my team on to the, you know, the, the well, I guess it was the championship technically. Uh, it's the championship for the the Central Wisconsin Championships. That's just, awesome. Because, you know, I mean, it's just it's something when you're that age, it's the summertime, you're with your friends and Heck everything. Yeah, and yeah, Soda so, and hot dog after the that game. That is no, so, really good in the ice well, cream, probably even better. <laughs> No, the best part was so the park that we were playing at, which was in Wyweega, Fremont. That's a mouthful. Wyweega, Fremont. Um, but the coaches, so our our coaches, you know, they're like they're high schoolers basically. They just need some extra money in the summertime. Well, one of the coaches' dad, uh, he went to the uh, he went to it was an IGA, and he got uh, crackers for us for like the, the post game meal. But they're Austin's quality. Remember the, the brand Austin's <laughs> yes, quality? Yeah. So so he got Austin's quality crackers because obviously I hit, I hit the home run, and then actually they ended up giving me the home run ball as well. That is awesome. That's good. Yeah. So uh, somewhere you still have that thing. That it's it's in my mom's display case in in like the the guest area, I guess you'd call it. Right? That is uh, really good stuff. I love yeah. love the story. Uh, here it's uh, two to nothing. Ospreys in the lead. I would like to get you out there for batting practice. See how far you hit one. I, I would have to retool my stance for at least a couple swings. Hitting is not easy, especially if you haven't done it since your oh, ninth grade year. it's been a long time, yeah. But you're an athlete, man. You fight yeah. the age, NFL, you could play hockey at a decent level, basketball at a decent level. Could you have played baseball, you think, if you stayed with it? Like, would you have been okay enough to maybe play? play? I mean, I think so. I ended not up making, like in major league. No, no, same. but I mean, I ended up making the state all-star team. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they take, like, two or three kids from around your area to go to the All-Star game, and I ended up playing yeah, so in that. You're, you're uh, so, uh, yeah, I was the catcher in first base. There you go. Yeah. Gunning guys out. 
batting fourth, by the way, too. Yeah, you better be batting. Listen, you better believe if you're six six, well, I know you weren't then, but six six, you better be batting. Fourth. I was, I, I was tall and skinny, and, and for me to be the individual, because you know our colors were orange and black, instead of wearing the team hat, I wore an Oregon State Beavers uh, hat. <laughs> Because you know like the old school logo we used to have with the, 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 yes. the, the fighting yeah. beaver? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I had one of the, the fighting beaver hats. Wow, another double play for the Ospreys. They close out this inning. We'll be right back. Keep your popcorn in your pocket or in your mouth, says <laughs> Russell Westbrook. It's a big story. Uh, here we go again, fans. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. Are we on right now? Or not? Like our screen? I guess we're good. Brent Martino. Yeah, you gotta okay. go all the way. Yeah, we're back. Thanks for your concern. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Well, big reason it was red zone emphasis, and that's that's uh, you know obviously a very hard area of the field. The field changes, especially against NFL talent all over the field, and and defense had the upper hand today. You know, it wasn't just him. So uh, just new area of the field, which is why you spend so much time down there practicing. Completely different game. Very accurate, uh, very accurate yesterday. Today, we, just, we, we all struggled, not just him, offensively. That is Urban Meyer, Jaguars head coach, talking about Trevor Lawrence. Struggled a little bit in the uh, red zone portion of practice. Of course, it's the only part of practice or the only practice we've been able to see. Isaiah Byers just went yard for UNF. They now take a 3 to nothing lead. They've, hit two, they've had two hits, both home runs, and we're in the bottom of the fifth. So uh, 3 nothing now over Kennesaw State here in the A-Sun Baseball Championships as we're live from the University of North Florida. A lot going on on campus with the baseball games, two today. JU won earlier over Liberty, and then the NCAA track and field uh, regionals as well just across the way. So uh, beautiful day, Fort. Uh, back at it again tomorrow here and Saturday for the both the track and field and for the baseball championships. Going to crown an A-Sun winner in the sport of uh, baseball. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane. Uh, that was Urban Meyer talking about Trevor Lawrence. Basically said, hey, had a good day yesterday. Today, you guys got to witness a eh, kind of day, yeah. uh, and especially in the red zone. You find it in your practices uh, over the years that obviously the red zone in games gets shrunk down, mm-hmm. and it's such a focal point. You know, if a good team, if you have a good team, you're usually performing pretty well in the red zone. Yeah. If you're not a very good team, well, it's probably because you're kicking either field goals or getting nothing Correct. in the red zone. It's it's quite simple formula, much like turnovers can be. You know, I think the year Bortles and the Jags went to the AFC Championship game, he had some crazy number in the red zone. It was like 18 touchdowns and no picks. Yeah, so yeah, he did yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you, have you found, like even in practices, though, over the years, that defense won a lot of those sessions no. against the offense in the red zone? So, so it's pretty wild because usually – you know, depending how, it's, like, yeah, you're going to get one-on-ones, especially in training camp. But, like, you know, it, it's going to be tailored to something, right? So let's say that the offense wants to go over a new wrinkle or a new scheme. Well, then you're going to call the defense that kind of helps them out a little bit to kind of gain more confidence. So every once in a while, you know, it'll be tailored for somebody to win. But generally, when we've gone through red zone and, you know, it's been the one-on-one, you know, the, the, the first team versus the, the first team all versus the first team D, I've always found it that, you know, it varies. Some days the offense comes out and they're firing all cylinders, and sometimes the defense comes out. So, I mean, listen, I assume that if you're the Los Angeles Rams, you have Aaron Donald. If you go full speed in red zone, odds are he's probably getting the quarterback, right? So things um, have to be, you know, tinkered with a little bit to help out that offense. But I find that there's no really advantage. Sometimes it's the offense's day, sometimes it's the defense's day. 
We're going to talk more football coming up. Obviously, we got football five. We'll talk more Jags. If you just missed it uh, at all during the show, you can always go back and listen on the podcast, Action Sports Jags on ESPN 690. But we'll have more of our observations from uh, this day that we're allowed into. Again, you got to remember, this is day three of OTAs for the Jags. Like, this is a compilation of practices. For us, it was like, whoa, it's the first time. <laughs> so had a little bit of that. Um, going on, and they've been on the field for a couple of weeks, phase two, now phase three. So we'll talk more about Tim Tebow, Trevor Lawrence, and uh, everyone else. Uh, I wanted to get to, actually, Urban Meyer's thoughts on Tebow and how they could use him, because I know that will be a nice eye roll from Austin Lane, so I want to get to that. Right. Yes. Random question, just because you mentioned it and you were saying, like, it's the first time you guys were there, and obviously the third day for them, but they were trying red zone stuff, which made, you know, essentially Trevor had a not great day. Do you think it would have made sense? Like, should the Jags have thought about maybe doing a day that would have made Trevor look good right off the rip since the media is there? Yeah, it's a good call, right? I think about I thought about that more with Tebow. Like, Tebow initially caught like uh, I don't know, like there was a little session, a little period where he caught like four passes and, and he didn't drop one. Yeah. And I was like, hey, if I'm Urban Meyer right now, I'm going up to the quarterbacks. I'm like, don't throw him the football again. Should have put him one on one with Miles Jack and see what he really has. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. I don't know if that's crafted. I don't think it's crafted. But I get your point, Kuz, and I think like I even thought about it as it relates to Tebow. See, I don't think Trevor needs that. I don't think, you know, I think Blaine Gabbert needed a little bit of that. I think uh, but I think yeah. even Blake Bortles needed a little bit of that. No, they definitely needed that. But at the same time, Kuz, it's, it's a great question. But I feel like if you're the head coach of a football team, and you're trying to cater practices now to make players look good in yeah. front of the media, True. then maybe those players aren't really cut to be starters in the NFL in the first place. I agree with that, by the way. But it does feel like Gabbert would have benefited in hindsight if you did something like that. For the media? From but the he, narrative. But, yeah, but remember, the like, like Gabbert always looked good in the in the. In yeah, the, that's in true. Practice. He actually did practice. He looked well. fantastic <laughs> in practice. But, oh, okay, game. how about this? I'll give you an example. The okay. night practice, I think it was a night practice for Bortles. He throws five picks. Sure. And it was like, Whoa. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so can you do something in that setting where you only threw a couple of picks? Let's avoid him putting him in a situation where he's going to get the three, four, five picks in a practice. Yeah. You know, because we got everybody out here, and even the national media is here, and this is a big deal. It's under the lights. Let's let's not put him in position to look that bad just See, for I, the noise. No, I, I understand, but I, I completely disagree, though. Uh, to me, I put him in situations because we have to learn, and we have to get better. Now, did Blake Bortles learn from that five-interception night? Well, maybe not. But, like, I want to put the most pressure on my players as possible because once it's Sundays, and, and this is real, you got to perform at your best ability. So, no, I, I'm not going to coddle anybody, especially the quarterback, because I need you to fire on all cylinders uh, and have your head in the game. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a great hypothetical question, though, because – Bottom line is, you feed off the quarterback as a team. Uh, not just the media, but as a team. Mm-hmm. And so if you see your quarterback throwing five picks in a practice, you're like, oh, boy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you do, oh boy. Well, 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 right? well, then maybe it's time for a new quarterback. Yeah, well, <laughs> people argued that coming out well, of that practice. Uh, not only for that day, but for weeks and months and years ahead. Yeah. Um, all right, so more football coming up in just a moment. The NBA. Uh, playoffs, by the way, have been outstanding. Ratings are up. Uh, across the NBA with the play-in and also these early matchups. I thought the Hawks-Knicks game was good again. Uh, A forgotten team in this whole playoff series so far has been a team like Washington, but they make noise with Russell Westbrook going to the locker room and popcorn thrown on him from a fan. What's your take on the situation? Obviously, listen, fans, I think we all can have this take. Can we stop throwing things at players? 
right? I Absolutely. mean, what are we doing? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, so I think we all have that. But is this a major story for you? Is this a part of a bigger problem, in your opinion, when it comes to either the NBA or unruly fans in general across sports? No, it's definitely a bigger problem because, you know, fans sometimes when they get a couple beers in them, they feel a little too confident they can do whatever they want to players, right? I mean, we've seen this happen all the time in the past, whether it's um, language, whether it's uh, throwing things at players. Like, there, there, there has to be a line. And that line cannot be crossed. And I get it. It's just popcorn and everything. But, like, when you throw popcorn at a player and it hits them, like, to me that's crossing the line. Now, was Russell Westbrook hurt from that? Obviously not because it's just popcorn. But, once again, you, you to me you can't cross that line. You're the fan. They're the player. You show up to watch them do their thing. So respect that. You can say whatever you want to say. I mean, it's to, to the most part, right? There's some things that you shouldn't say. Boom if you want. Do what you got to do. But to me, throwing something at a, at a player is crossing the line. At the same time, though, and, and right now it seems like LeBron James and other players are going scorched earth on the, to post this guy's picture and find out who this guy is. What are you going to do? You're going to find out who this guy is and beat him up? You're going to go to his house and punch him in the face? Like, what does it matter? The, the guy got banned. Uh, he's never going to a game there again. He lost his season tickets. It is what it is. Like... I understand that, you know, if you want to put out his Twitter handle so people can talk smack to him, then so be it. But, like, this whole thing of we got to find out who this guy is, post his face everywhere, for what? Are yeah. we going to fight this gentleman? No. So then what are we doing? Yeah, that seems like very childish response to a childish event, right? I mean, what are we doing? Like, you, just, you want that guy to pay the price of embarrassment? Uh, like you said, he's already going to pay a price. I think this has less to do with that one fan and more to do with fans in general. Uh, you know, here's the deal. You go, to, especially in the NBA, I think, there's so much entertainment value in watching these guys play. So many things that this, the normal person can't do. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we come out to a baseball game, Major League Baseball game, there's a lot that people can't do. But we all can seemingly throw a ball, mm-hmm. catch a ball, and swing a bat if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand we can, we can shoot a basketball and dribble a little bit. But we can't take off from, like, inside the free throw line and throw one down. Sure. Right? Sure. We can't shoot like Steph Curry and puts on. You know, so there's just, it doesn't matter what sport. Football's the, like that, too. Mm-hmm. But you pay for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you're paying. Your hard-earned money for is entertainment. So why would you pay for entertainment? That guy's trying to put on a show. And then you would disparage that athlete, that person, that team, whatever, in the ways that people do it. And especially in this sense, throwing something. Well, and you know, Brent, I mean, it's, it's just it it defies logic on so many levels. It obviously shouldn't even be a part of human behavior. But there's no rite of passage to be able to do that when you buy the ticket. You're at being asked to be entertained. You're not being asked, "Can I throw something at you if you don't entertain me the way I want to be entertained, or if I just don't like you?" Well, and Brent, I would say another part with this one specifically, like. This happened right after Westbrook injured his ankle. He was walking out. The game wasn't even over. He was injured and going to get checked. So, like, it's almost even more disrespectful because of that, and I don't know why that feels that way, but, like, that made it worse to me. 
Well, no, it definitely is, Kuz, right? Because now a player's exiting the game. He's probably at his lowest, and now you want to pile on. Once again, like if, if you really want to say something to a player after he gets injured, that's one thing. That's that's not even right in my opinion, but whatever. You you bought the ticket, you paid the price, do what you want to do. But, yeah, I agree, Kuz. At the fact that he was injured and then walking away, um, that definitely escalated it. And then, obviously, Russell Westbrook's response, which I think was you know warranted. I, I, th- I think some guys would have walked away. Some guys where he was at where he's frustrated because he's leaving the game the game's on the line um you know he he chose to retaliate with you know obviously saying some stuff and trying to get physical like that really escalated the situation as well and really elevated the the, the whole scene there in philly well yeah and i don't but you know what that said to me that doesn't say to me that's russell westbrook a hothead that says to me this stuff happens so much with words Mm -hmm. and sometimes to this extent where Again, it's popcorn, man. It's not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of it. it it's what it says. Mm-hmm. And so the that's what it said to me. It's like this happens so much that we don't talk about it. And I think if you look at even what Kyrie Irving said, you know, about Boston and mm-hmm. going back there, it's stuff they hear, not just in Boston, but probably other places. Athletes, I, I just don't think you make $15 million or whatever it is a year. You're putting on a show, and I paid for a ticket to watch you. That allows me to say and do whatever the hell I want to do. <laughs> no, for sure. And, and there are situations that we've seen in sports where we've gotten there. And I guess I know what you're going to say. Uh, a lot of people say, hey, Brent, there are 60,000 people at a football game. There are 20,000 people at a hoop game. There are 40,000 people at a baseball game. You're talking about one instance here and one instance there. Yeah, but I don't know if I am. I, I think I'm talking about more instances that we probably even can count and probably see all the time. Sure. Uh, so I think there's more to it than that. And I think the question becomes, when do we get to the point where we're crossing the line so much that it does raise our attention? Can, can we stop some of that stuff prior to? And I'm sure security people are doing it um, as much as they can. Yeah. But is the NBA doing enough? Are people too close almost to the players, especially in the NBA? Now, I you know we just went through a pandemic, but... Uh, it's it's something to look at, I think, for these commissioners and, and people. I know the, the dollar is almighty. And so if you get a front row seat right behind LeBron James and the Lakers, you know, they're, they're making five grand off that ticket. I sure. get it. But is it worth risking a potential well, whatever no, with yeah. player and fan, you know? No, no, absolutely. But that's just the way the NBA is, though. I mean, that's what makes the game the game so great is you can have Spike Lee on the floor talking smack to Trey Young. You know, like, I mean, that that's an element of the game of basketball. And that's the element of why sometimes people tune in. Like, I remember Drake well, a couple years ago when I was the Bucks Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I'm watching Drake essentially coach the Toronto Raptors and talking so much smack to Giannis Adekempo drove me crazy. But it, it was great narrative. It was great storyline. So, like, I don't want to see them take that away because that is entertaining. But we got to hold fans accountable at the same time. Man. Yeah, I just uh, hope we don't cross the line uh, and, and something more than just popcorn. Well, I mean, it, it happened in Detroit. It's happened in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, it's happened in other sports. Mm-hmm. So uh, it almost happened in Jacksonville with Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Did, well, you, did you see the whole uh, Ron Artest thing? Uh, today? Uh, well, what he said about the, the whole incident, because someone brought that up. So apparently the, the fan was like, this is just like the Ron Artest thing. And then Ron Artest chimed in and said, well, actually what happened with that incident was the fact that the guy's friend bet him 50 bucks that he couldn't hit Ron Artest with a beer, uh, and he and he did, and he got 50 bucks. And the reason why Ron Artest goes, the reason why I know that is because me and that guy are friends now. Really? Yeah. 
That's so, an interesting so twist. So the guy that he punched in the face, I guess they're friends now. Uh, that's according to what Ron Artest said. Wow. Very yeah. interesting there. All right. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 live from UNF. Uh, Kennesaw State threatening here in the top of the six, but the Ospreys lead three to nothing. Give you updates, talk some more football, and we come back on ESPN 690. I think it's been great, you know, and I think it's just a transfer to what we were doing, um, you know, for the past three weeks before, you know, we even got on the field with all the coaches and stuff like that. Um, we've spent a lot of time together. I, I, probably almost two months now, so, um, you know, it, it's, it's been good. You know, everybody's uh, going around, flying fast, um, and, yeah, making making big plays, you know, um, as, as as we should and as we knew we were going to do. So um, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of people, a lot of receivers, um, you know, in our group, you know, that could, you know, have different abilities and uh, could put them in different places. I mean, you put LaVisca in the, in the, in the backfield and, and watch, him, watch him work and stuff like that. And um, everybody's been great and everybody's been, you know, taking the coaching and, uh, and just having a good time. So, yeah, we're just going to continue to do that. I believe that was Marvin Jones. Yep. There we go. Nicely done. I'm excited about Marvin Jones, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think yeah, he should be, man. He's, I think he's still got some left in the tank. Could you see Marvin Jones be better than wide receiver Dante one? Moncrief? Yes. Um, <laughs> can I see Marvin Jones being wide receiver one? I mean, I mean, define that as in they're gonna, he's gonna have the most targets or just like his production-wise. Well, I usually think one will fall in line with the other, but yeah, I guess production. Uh, production no, probably okay. wins the day because I think what happens is a little bit of a tone setter, right? Yeah. If if he has some targets early on, mm-hmm. then I think he's gonna probably continuously have targets. He's gonna then put up the production, and what happens is he becomes Trevor Lawrence's go-to guy. Sure, you yeah, know, someone yeah. who can rely on. And as a young quarterback, you got a veteran wide out there, and like, hey, I want to get that guy the ball. Guy's got a lot of passes in the NFL, yeah. So I could see it naturally. This is—I I don't mean this as a, any intention of slighting DJ Chark. I think DJ Chark's ready for a big season as well. I think they could have a nice one-two punch. Yeah, but I think Marvin I s- Jones has the ability to kind of be that on this team. He does. I still think DJ Chark's going to be the one right now um, until I see something different. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Marvin Jones has showed in, in the past when, like, guys like Kenny Galladay go down and he's expected to step up a little bit and get the lion's share of the receptions, um, he's answered that call. So uh, he very well could be the wide receiver one, but I'm still going DJ Chark. How tough to defend do you think could they be? Uh, if you start thinking of Marvin Jones, DJ Chark being of, of similar ilk in terms of, Hey, we have a lot of confidence in those guys, and and we get either one the ball, and and they go up and make a big play for us. And then you have Lavisca Chenault. We know that that could add a little something. Um, and then you mix in the ETNs and all the rest. But uh, I'll leave Colin Johnson out of the fold, and all the you know we could really you know muddy this thing up. Yeah. But how difficult are the Jags to defend? If you're watching tape and you got Marvin Jones, has been doing this for 10 years, catches a bunch of touchdowns, knows what he's doing. DJ Chark, this emerging guy, young player in the league, but but very talented. And then you have a LaVisca Chenault, who I don't even know how to guard that guy sometimes. Sure. When you're looking at tape during the week, is that problematic for defenses? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's going to really depend what this looks like. Um, if you go with three wide receiver sets, you know, put LaVisca in the slot. I think he can handle that. Um, he's shown that when there is some space, uh, he can take a small hole and make it a giant hole with the way, you know, he's got the strength and everything and can run guys over. So, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of game planning this team, we'll see what, what, the, what the plan of Travis Etienne is. 
you know, I, I wish they had a little more of a threat right now. No disrespect to Tim Tebow, but I wish they had a little more of a threat right now at the tight end position uh, up the middle. But there are ways around that. You, you can get involved with the slot guy a little more. You can involve LaVisca Shannon a little more with some gadgets and things like that. So, yeah, I think with Urban Meyer's offensive prowess, I think with the depth that they have, it, it, it is going to be a challenge for secondaries uh, to stop this Jaguars team. Yeah, I, I do. And, again, the play calling comes in. How do they utilize those guys? You know, where does ETN fit on that? All, all the other stuff, um, I think, yeah, and how well you're running the ball. <laughs> right? yeah. I mean that's that's really the big part of it is is what you can set up with the run, uh, with any team, is is obviously critical of that. I'm fascinated by the offense. You know, I know uh, there's a lot of talk. I mean, today I saw a defense that looked like it made some plays. I think there's curiosity in the defense. I would say I wouldn't use the word fascinated by the defense okay. uh, because I just don't know how dynamic they can be. I think Trevor Lawrence is is a quarterback around here we haven't seen in terms of making guys better. And so even as a young player, if he can do that to some degree, well, then you add in some already pretty good players with some pretty decent resumes with James Robinson and DJ Chark and Marvin Jones. And then you add in what maybe LaVisca could be or an ETN could be. That's where that fascinates me. And you go to uh, an offensive-minded coach in Urban Meyer, and then you got Bevel and Schottenheimer have plenty of experience with a lot of different styles of players and, and good players in the league. Yeah, I, I don't use the word fascinating on defense. I use the word fascinating on offense. I think that's uh, my anticipation in the early part of the season especially. I'll be disappointed if they, they are not somewhat electric offensively. Like They're not the Chiefs, I get it, but I'd, yeah. I'd be disappointed if they're, let's just say, at least productive offensively. No, for sure. And, you know, it's going to be intriguing because if this offense looks like any kind of offense that Urban Meyer ran at Florida or that he ran at Ohio State, you're, you, you, you're going to see a lot of guys going to space. Um, and when I say that, you're going to see a lot of crossing routes. You're going to see – you could see some two running back sets, if you will. But it's all about speed, right? I mean, the, the, that was the first clue that Urban Meyer really, uh, you know, left with these breadcrumbs of saying we're going to have speed, speed, speed. Well, he wants speed because it does one of two things. It stretches the field in terms of running verticals, which Urban Meyer has shown in the past, where he just likes to take those deep shots. Um, you know, Bruce Arians is really known for that in Arizona. You saw that a little bit with Tampa Bay as well. Got him to the Super Bowl, won him a Super Bowl. I think Urban Meyer wants to do a little bit of that, running those verticals. But then also, obviously, if you have those quarterback read options, not saying that it's going to be Trevor Lawrence running 10 to 15 times a game, but it's going to be him keeping defenses honest. And when you have linebackers, um, edge guys overthinking it, who do I take? Well, that's when guys become open in the middle of the field as well. That's what I see Urban Meyer really bringing to, the, to, uh, to this offense this year. All right, big spot for the UNF Ospreys as they now lead just 3-2 to two with a couple out here in the sixth inning. Kennesaw State threatening. We'll have an update for you at 5. We'll also have football at 5. It's on the way. Tim Tebow, Trevor Lawrence. We saw OTAs today. What did they do? How did it look? What does it mean? All that coming up on ESPN 690. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 